Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The basketball season is back, and BetOnline remains your number one spot for basketball and football action this season. Head to the new, updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Memes of the Weekend. This is NFL Week 7, College Football Week 8, and uh, we've got another great Memes of the Weekend pod coming up today. How did the Pac-12 and ACC bleep things up this week? We'll find out in a little bit. Also, we've got fun five little things this week that kind of go all over the place. I promise we're going to get to the Illinois-Penn State game. Been teasing it for two days, two full podcasts. We will get to the Illinois and Penn State game that scored 38 points in nine overtimes when I learned that the overtime rules say that you now exchange two-point conversions back and forth. But we begin with this truly, truly boring NFL weekend by talking about the back half witching hour here today on NFL Red Zone. So the NFL set up their schedule where this week was going to be by Mageddon, which I think is the term that it was called, where a bunch of really good teams are going to go on by this week. The Bills, the Chargers, they're going to be on buys. You're going to have the Jaguars go on a buy, which is not a good team, but there's six teams that were on buy this week, and it's going to make for a little bit more boring of a product. And the other way we're going to compensate this is by putting all of these matchups between really, really bad teams and really, really good teams that have to happen every year, whether by the way that divisions break out or by cross-conference games. We're going to put them all on the exact same week and play them through the entire season. All in one week, we're just going to punt on one week of content, but we're going to tease it a little bit. We're going to try and trick you by making it a Jared Goff revenge game. Or making it a J.J. Watt versus DeAndre Hopkins revenge game. We're going to trick you into thinking they're real storylines, but we're just going to put all of our crappy games in one weekend, put a bunch of teams on by, put it, I guess, when was supposed to be Game 7 of a Major League Baseball playoff, but the series ended before Sunday, so didn't really matter anyways. We're going to put all the crappy games in the middle of the schedule and trick people into one Sunday afternoon. And... That afternoon window was the NFL giving just a giant middle finger, which is why we're going to give a double middle finger right back and analyze to the minute every 15 minutes version of that afternoon block because it was the worst three-hour block of football that I have personally ever watched. Have there been worse three-hour blocks of football on a Sunday? Possibly so, but this was the worst that I have watched, and I think I've watched... 90% of three-hour blocks on a football Sunday, going back to 2019, I want to say, 
But this was the worst. And it kicked right off with Man Campbell and the Detroit Lions faking a punt, going onside after scoring a touchdown with a surprise onside kick in the first quarter, faking a punt, going for it on fourth down, and still only ending up with a field goal. They went surprise onside kick, fake punt, and went for it on a fourth down and somehow still ended up with a field goal. I cannot emphasize enough just how stupid that is. So it's 10-0 before the other games even kick off. And the other game that's going on at this point is Eagles and Raiders. And this is the one game that is not quite that level of a blowout. Are the Eagles bad? Yes. But are the Raiders really good? No. So that's the one where you at least have a single-digit spread. Because the other ones are 16.5 Rams, 18.5 Cardinals, and 12-point Tampa Bay Buccaneers against, respectively, the Detroit Lions, Houston Texans, and Chicago Bears. So Eagles-Raiders, that's the good game in this block. Eagles jump out to a 7-0 lead, and the Raiders score 30 consecutive unanswered points with no Darren Waller, and the the Eagles basically saying the entire game, we're just going to drop everyone back into deep coverage, and we're just going to let Derek Carr dink-dunk, dink-dunk, dink-dunk passes. They lost... Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller and it just didn't matter because Derek Carr was like 22 for 23 to start the game because they just kept giving him underneath passes screen passes to Jacobs screen pass to to, uh, Kenyon Drake screen pass to one of those white tight ends that's like a Gasecki that's replacing Darren Waller screen pass to uh, uh, Hunter Renfro like it was just every single completion they're just like we're just going to give them seven yards on every completion to some reason take away the deep ball And Derek Carr is good enough where if you just let him throw the ball in the middle of the field and throw screen passes, Derek Carr will complete those passes 22 for 23. And the the, the funny part of like being afraid of the deep ball from Derek Carr just seems quite funny to me. But anyways, so that game ends up being a blowout. Then we go to the other afternoon block where the Texans at the end of the first quarter were up five to zero on the Arizona Cardinals, which in this moment, because at this point it's 13-3 in the second quarter between the Lions and the Rams, and it's 5-0 between the Texans and Cardinals, and in this moment I'm thinking this is where the content's going to come into play. We were going to mock the idea that they put all these blowouts and terrible matchups all together at one time, and then we're going to walk away with the Lions winning and the Texans winning, and that did not happen because... There were stretches in each of these games. We already talked about the 30-0 stretch for the Raiders. Then we had 35-3 at halftime in the Bucks and Bears game. And then you had 31-0 to end the game. Arizona, after going down 5-0 to the Texans on a safety and a field goal, scored 31 unanswered points to end the game. So if you combine those three matchups together, you are looking at 30 30- 135-3, which is a combined 66-3, 30-0. That's a 96-3 stretch between the Raiders, the Philadelphia, the Raiders Eagles game, the Bucks Bears game, and the Cardinals and Texans game. So 96 to 3 scoring stretch. 
Which then brings us back to the Lions, because while all of this is going on, the Lions, who, remind you, went surprise onside kick in the first quarter, recovered it, ran a fake punt pass, then went for it on fourth down, and still ended up with a field goal, then went fake punt run on the first possession of the second half, which also ended in a field goal after running a fake punt run at the Rams' 46-yard line. So, the Lions are winning at the end of the third quarter. It is 17-16. The Lions have a chance. They've got a fighter's chance to maybe, just maybe, beat the Los Angeles Rams. 16-point underdogs. Jared Goff revenge game. I made the post on Saturday night that I wanted to get behind the Jared Goff revenge game and knew it was going to be a 42-7 Rams beatdown. But no, Jared Goff is proving everybody wrong. Jared Goff is making you look silly, even though Jared Goff, if you take out the one 60-yard touchdown to DeAndre Swift, completed 50% of his passes for an average of 9 yards per completion. Finished, I mean, again, the one big touchdown that was a screen pass that DeAndre Swift took to the house bumped up his numbers, still finished with a 70.1 QBR. So even though Jared Goff is playing horrible football, completing 50% of his passes for 200 yards, two picks, and one touchdown that was a screen pass that DeAndre Swift ran 66 yards. Despite all of that, the Rams have a chance, or the Lions have a chance to win. Jared Goff has a chance to get his revenge on Sean McVay, which, by the way, ice-cold exchange at the end of the game with McVay and Goff. McVay wanted to talk to him a little longer, and Goff wanted nothing to do with him. Rams score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion. Goff is moving down the field gets to the end zone, and what happens? He gets intercepted by Jalen Ramsey. And that's it. And then the Rams kick a field goal. You're down nine. Nothing you can do after that. It was so close. But also, I think it would have been too perfect. If in the other games you have a 96-3 to scoring stretch with the bad teams... But then at the very end, the Detroit Lions get to be anarchists and beat the Los Angeles Rams in the Jared Goff revenge game. Because if you're going to pick one game where you have the double-digit upset, you're picking the Rams-Lions one. You want the Lions to win that one. If you're picking one game that's going to be anarchist upset that nobody understands, like the Jets beating the Titans a few weeks ago, you're picking that game to be the upset. And unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. But... Jared Goff had a lead in the fourth quarter of a game against the Rams. Man Campbell was so close to getting his first win. I'm not going to say all the way that the Lions are the best 0-7 team in NFL history because that is reserved for the Cincinnati Bengals of two years ago. But they are still feeling like the best worst team in the NFL. Maybe the Falcons. Maybe the Falcons are now the best worst team in the NFL. But still, it felt real for just a sliver of a moment. But instead, we got the chalk results we were looking for in what was the worst three-hour stretch of NFL Sunday football that I have ever had the pleasure of watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the West Coast is back for all you suckers. Well, suckers. 
It is time for five little things here on the memes of the weekend, something we started a couple weeks ago, and we like to keep rolling along with here because we have lots of little fun things that happen over the weekend that get memed, and we like to share them a little bit here on the podcast. And so sometimes this helps us recap college football, sometimes it helps us find funny things across the NFL or occasionally something else, but let's roll along with our Five little things. Number one, if I had a dollar for every time an NFL broadcast said National Tight Ends Day, I would be able to... What would I be able to do? I'd be able to pay my rent for the month. Because, oh my lord, they paid so much attention to the fact that it was National Tight Ends Day today. Every time a tight end caught a pass, look at him doing it on National Tight Ends Day. Kyle Rudolph makes his first catch or first touchdown catch of the season for the totally depleted New York Giants. National Tight Ends Day. Mike Gusecki scores a touchdown and does a fake Lambo leap in Miami, but there was no one there to pick him up, so he fell backwards into the stands. National Tight Ends Day. Fabian Moreau catches a pass for the Raiders. National Tight Ends Day. Over. And over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's National Tight Ends Day, everybody. So congratulations. It was indeed National Tight Ends Day. And every single broadcaster on every single one of the 10 mediocre football games on Sunday had to remind you it was National Tight Ends Day. Two. Kansas football. Oh, Kansas football, I love you so much. You are the gift that keeps on giving 38 and a half points. That is how many points Kansas was giving at home against Oklahoma. And Kansas was winning in the fourth quarter. You thought that the Rams and Lions game was weird. Let me introduce you to the fact that Kansas football was double the underdog that the Detroit Lions were and Kansas football which should be an FCS team at this point that was letting fans just walk into the stadium with no tickets once it became clear that hey they might actually have a chance to beat Oklahoma when in reality they had no chance of beating Oklahoma the Sooners had under a hundred yards of offense in the first half against an FCS team they were down 10 nothing at the half I thought Oklahoma was going to win by 28 They ended up being down going into the fourth quarter, and that was unfortunately when Kansas football started playing like Kansas football. Just lesser athletes than Oklahoma. Not being able to get tackles, not being able to get stops. Caleb Williams threw two touchdowns in like five minutes, and it was over after that. But for three glorious quarters across two and a half glorious hours, Kansas football shone bright so that we can make fun of Oklahoma, because we're never going to give Kansas credit when they do nice things. Kansas has only won four football games in the last five seasons. We're only going to give Oklahoma crap, because Oklahoma is not allowed to win a football game by more than seven points. I said it two weeks ago, they went on by last week, and I stand by it. Oklahoma is simply not allowed to win a football game by more than then seven points, whether it's against Kansas, whether it's against Alabama, whether it's against Iowa State, whether it's against Baylor, or whether it's against Arizona or Northern Arizona or whoever you're playing, you can only win by seven points. I think Tulane was the funny joke I was going for there because Tulane 
also was winning in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma because Oklahoma is simply not allowed to win a football game by more than seven points. No matter, they're going to win all of them. Don't worry. They're going to win every single one that they play. They just are not going to win any of them by more than seven points. Three, Clemson football. Clemson took the L against Pitt this weekend, and it is hard times here at Clemson University. They have won all of their games by single digits except for the one they played against an FCS team. And they lose to Pitt, who might have a Heisman Trophy candidate and Kenny Pickens on their team. But Heisman Trophy candidate in October usually doesn't last very well. I'm still haunted by the magical month where Khalil Tate was going to win the Heisman out of Arizona. But even still, Clemson was unranked underdogs against Pitt. They lose. Tony Elliott talked about how everything needs to be shaken up on the offensive side of the ball. DJ Oyungalale got benched, and he was in Dr. Pepper commercials at the start of the year. Magically, that Dr. Pepper commercial has kind of disappeared. It's been rough going for Clemson, and we've already talked before about how it's going to be really hard for them to rebound, and this is like a two-year type of setback for the program. But man, it is rough. Like they're they're now a middling ACC team. Like they're going to go play in the Music City Bowl, and I just did not see that coming for Clemson. They got destroyed. There was a shuffle pass that got taken for a pick six, and I think that was the last pass Oyungalale played before he got benched and then put back in, kind of like what happened with Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. But yeah, it was rough going out there for the Clemson Tigers. Four, Mike White. Mike White, the backup quarterback of the New York Jets. This was our most popular meme of the weekend by a good amount. Mike White, the quarterback who feels like a creative player that you have when you're playing Madden and you're like 14 years in and all the normal people have retired. And so I I remember I used to play NBA 2K and Alvin Person was like a two-time MVP, won four championships for me with the Orlando Magic. But it feels like just a creative player name. Mike White from Western Kentucky playing quarterback for the Jets. And he's going to be the quarterback for the Jets for a while because the Jets don't have any other quarterbacks. It's not like someone was on injured reserve for this week, like the Peterman playing for the Raiders. Like they tried with Marcus Mariota. The Jets came in saying if, if Wilson goes down, it's Mike White. And it's all Mike White at this point. So Congrats to the Jets. I'm sorry I picked you plus seven this week. Mike White, really funny name, really funny character that would be in a video game like in 2035 when you started the game in 2020. Five. I told you we would get to Illinois and Penn State. And here it is. Top 10 Penn State losing to Brent Bielema because that's how Brent Bielema wins football games. He wins against Nebraska. He wins nine overtime games against Penn State, and he doesn't win any other football game because that is Brent Bielema, the most confusing college football team this year. Close second being Oklahoma, but the most confusing college football team of the year, the Illinois Fighting Illini under first-year coach Brent Bielema with all of Lovey Smith's former players. By the way, guessing game, does anyone know where Lovey Smith is now? You can pause the podcast real quick if you need more time, but if you guessed defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, you would be correct. So anyways, Lovey Smith's players won a nine-overtime game against a top-ten-ranked Penn State. And remember how we said a couple weeks ago that there were five top 10 ranked big 10 teams and how they'd all start beating each other up real quick 
Like Iowa and Penn State didn't even wait for that. (laughs) Iowa and Penn State just came in and said, we got you. We'll just lose these games right off the bat. And it's going to be hilarious. So yeah, shout out to uh, Illinois and Penn State. Let's talk about the overtime rules real quick, because I'm sure that's going to be like an MMQB topic, or maybe people will forget about it after football Sunday. But I didn't know that they changed the overtime rules after that LSU-Texas A&M game from a couple years ago that went to seven overtimes, and they played like 210 snaps, each team did, and so that was kind of like a problem because football's dangerous and we acknowledge football's dangerous so they just got to a point where teams would just start alternating two-point conversions instead of calling the game a tie because of course that makes more sense the nfl does ties but college football changed their tie rule because a bunch of high profile games got called ties in the 90s and so they said we're not going to do ties anymore but then games went to seven overtimes like buffalo and western michigan or lsu texas a&m And then we have to change the overtime rules. One play, sudden death, alternating back and forth, and Illinois and Penn State went 10 consecutive two-point conversions without converting, which is hilarious when you put it up against like the modern NFL revolution where Brandon Staley goes for it on fourth and eight every time because he feels so confident that he can pick it up with Justin Herbert, or the Lions going for it on the two-point conversion against the Vikings, but then the Vikings made that field goal at the end. Like, people just feel so confident in the high-powered modern offense, and Illinois and Penn State are just out here in the Big Ten just like, nope, we're just going to go power-dive run play every time, not get it. Then we're going to go shotgun run play to the left and lose three yards every single time. We're not going to throw the ball, we're just going to shotgun run it every single time. Because we have spread offenses, but we have the most boring versions of spread offenses that can possibly exist. The Big Ten, come play in the most boring spread offenses in the history of football. But they went 10 consecutive overtimes, or 10 consecutive two-point conversions, I should say. Because they weren't really overtimes, they were just two-point conversions over and over, like penalty shootouts in soccer. Like, they went... Miss, 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 miss. Illinois converts, Penn State misses. Game over. And that's how the magical nine overtime game was born with the new modern rules of college football that only come up once or twice every year or every two years where we get to laugh at a nine overtime finish between Illinois and Penn State. And it was wonderful. And the fact that Penn State was a top 10 team makes it even better we conclude the podcast the way we conclude all of these memes of the weekend podcasts which is by handing out our weekly philip rivers purgatory memorial award which i always mess up the name of but anyways it's the memorial philip rivers purgatory award in a week where Every single game was a blowout, but there was one game that came down to the very end, and it ended on a young way coup field goal. This one doesn't even count as Philip Rivers' purgatory because it was a it was, most of the drive came with over two minutes left in the game, and then it ended with a lot of running the ball at the end. But you know what, Matt Ryan, you deserve the Philip Rivers Memorial Purgatory Award, which I keep saying wrong every single time. Philip Rivers would be proud. 
not of this one because it he would have been proud if the Dolphins had gotten the ball with 40 seconds left and no timeouts, but unfortunately we settle for a young way coup field goal. There was literally no other game the rest of the weekend that was close at the end with two minutes left to go. I guess this is just what happens when Kirk Cousins is on a bye week. There's just a major absence in the Phillip Rivers purgatory. Alright, so to finish off the show here today, let's talk about how the ACC and Pac-12 bleeped things up this week. Because these conferences exist just to beat each other up. Nobody's allowed to be good. Nobody's allowed to be nationally ranked. Nobody's going to put a team in the college football playoff because both of those conferences are absolutely atrocious. It's used to be ACC Coastal, but now the entire ACC wants to play this game this year considering their highest ranked team was ranked 18 coming into the week and North Carolina State lost to the University of Miami who was unranked going into the week, which means Pitt, congratulations, you're the next team at the top of the gauntlet who will soon lose. It went North Carolina, then it went Miami, then it went Virginia Tech, then it went Boston College, then it was Clemson again, then it was NC State, and now it's it's Pitt. So good luck to you, Pitt. Seems like every single time someone makes it to the top of the gauntlet, they lose because you can only go like three weeks in the ACC without losing a game. Remember when Boston College was 4-0? Yeah, they've lost three games in a row now, so tough break if you're a BC fan like our buddy Walter Mitchell. This week was rough. They lost to Louisville. Louisville is worse than Clemson, which means worse than Boston College, which means worse than first place Wake Forest, who's probably got a path to the college football playoff at this point that nobody believes in because it's Wake Forest. Wake Forest is undefeated and ranked like 13th in the country right now because of course they are. Wake Forest is not getting any respect there, but they're the best team in the ACC. And then in the Atlantic, Louisville's probably like 5th or 6th right there with Florida State, who somehow won four games in a row. But they also lost to Jacksonville State, so yeah, not great. But still, Boston College, three losses in a row, lose to Louisville this week, who was below 500. Uh, Virginia Tech, remember them? Virginia Tech was used to be nationally ranked. They've lost three games in a row, including this week's loss to Syracuse. Congratulations to Syracuse, who was the preseason last place pick in the conference, played last place to start the year, but now you've won two consecutive games in a row by being an absolute spoiler to the rest of the conference. Sorry, you've won two out of three. You almost beat Clemson last week. But congratulations, Syracuse, for getting hot until you start losing games again pretty soon. Uh, Let's swing it over to the Pac-12. How did the Pac-12 bleep things up this week? Because other than that, Virginia, Pitt, they're delaying their pain for another week. How did the Pac-12 mess things up? Last week, we spent this segment talking about the University of Arizona. I'd like to bring the University of Arizona back into focus here because something amazing happened this weekend with Arizona. They were playing a home game in one of these like Pac-12 noon start times. The Arizona Athletic account posted a tweet an hour before the game that was sponsored, obviously. But it was time for the StubHub seat upgrade. If you're coming to the game and want your seats upgraded, reply to this tweet for a chance at two lower bowl tickets. Literally no one replied. Before game time, there were literally zero replies on the StubHub advertised tweet. Nobody wanted lower bowl tickets. And you know what was the most Pac-12 thing ever? 
Not Arizona winning because Arizona is going to go 0 and 12 because they're worse than Kansas now, considering Kansas almost was up against Oklahoma in the fourth quarter. Arizona almost won. They were winning against Washington right up to the end. Not like Washington is great, but they were winning against Washington. And then Washington put up 14 points in the fourth quarter. They were up 16 to 7. And Washington scored 14 unanswered to end the game. They had a similar arc to Kansas this week, and it was just perfect Arizona football, perfect Pac-12 football. Just when you thought the stupid, ridiculous upset was going to happen, Arizona fell apart at the end, just like they did against Oregon. Because I know we joke about the Pac-12 always beating each other up. And the only thing we need left to make the wheel of Pac-12 losses complete is... Arizona beating Utah and we can make a wheel where like you can connect every single team to a loser but if that's the one win we can get other than that we need Arizona to finish 0-12 we need this to happen we need them to lose to Northern Arizona who by the way is still below 500 in the big sky we need Arizona to finish 0-12 to kick off the career of the guy who used to be the quarterback's coach for the Patriots In other news, Washington State, they had an interesting week with Rolovich. We talked about that on Wednesday's podcast. They lose to BYU, who used to be ranked number 10 in the country before they lost to Boise State. Uh, College game day went to UCLA, which was kind of cool. And uh, that stadium was pretty empty (laughs) out in Pasadena for a game that brought college game day out for the first time in 23 years. Stadium looked pretty empty, but anyways, Oregon beat UCLA. Looked like UCLA was going to have a chance there for a minute, but not to be. Uh, And then the Oregon State Beavers, tied for first place, control their own destiny in the Pac-12 South, even though they were picked in the preseason to finish fifth place in the conference. And I dare you to name their coach, because I can't. I can't name Oregon State's coach. Anyways, they just have to beat Oregon to control their destiny in the Pac-12. They beat previously undefeated in the Pac-12, Utah. So Utah fell the same way that NC State did, where you you climbed your way up to the top of the conference and then immediately lost because a three-game win streak in the Pac-12 is something to not be taken lightly. If you can get a three-game win streak in the Pac-12, you immediately become the mountain and you will probably lose the fourth game. But still, you do get to become the mountain. So that is your weekend. Also, Colorado got crushed by Cal. Both teams stink, doesn't really matter, but technically Colorado had a better record than Cal, so we can call that one maybe an upset. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the memes of the weekend. Make sure to download, leave five-star reviews. Doesn't have to be a nice review, just has to be a five-star review. Thank you. I love each and every one of you who continues to support these dreams, and we will be back at you again with four more epic podcasts throughout the week. Do I know what's going to be on them? No, I do not. But I guess we'll all find out together in the coming days. Download the rest of the archives. Maybe listen to another podcast while you're at it. Who knows? Thanks for stopping into the memes of the weekend. And we will be back at it again tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody.